What's going on and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out and do my best to help you navigate those tricky times in life where our Catholic faith doesn't give us an easy black and white answer to the messy situations that we often pretty much daily find ourselves in. The purpose of the show is for me to accompany you, is to walk with you toward eternity in the midst of all the brokenness, in the midst of all the mess, especially whenever it's very difficult to discern what is God's will for me right now in this season of my life. Here's how the show goes. You send me your questions at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com, and then I will respond to three to five questions per episode dealing with everything from Catholic morality to spirituality to social justice to prayer to relationships to catechesis, evangelization, apologetics, pretty much anything and everything under the sun. And then after I respond to your questions, you respond back to me at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com and comment, critique me, and let me know how, how my response helped you or didn't help you. I can't promise that my advice is always going to be best for you, though I can say I desire it to be really good. I, I spend time praying with your questions. I spend time studying the church's teachings to try to apply certain principles to the different um, aspects of your questions that you send to me, but I'm broken and I'm imperfect and I'm not God. And so there's going to be times where, quite frankly, I might give you advice that isn't the best. If that's the case, I want to give you the freedom right now to straight up reject whatever it is that I say if it's not helpful to you in becoming a saint. However, if it is helpful to you, even if it's difficult, then I want to invite you to lean into it and spend some time with it and potentially allow my, my answers to stretch your heart in your walk toward becoming the saint that God desires for you to be. So uh, don't forget to rate us and to review us on iTunes. Why? Because whenever you do this, it helps other people find out about the gift of the show if, in fact, the show is a gift for you. If you don't like the show, then just don't rate it and don't review it because then people won't find out about it. So today's topics. Today's topics, we are going to uh, talk about discernment, morality, scripture, and canon law. And right now, I just want to go ahead and do a little preface for the show, today's topics. Uh, I want to give a parental advisory warning to parents right now. If you don't want your kids to hear what we're going to talk about today, and I want to invite you to listen to it first, listen to the show first, and you discern if you're ready to have these conversations with your children, which I think is super healthy to have these kind of conversations with them, but I don't want to be the first one to expose your kids to this conversation if you're not ready for them to go there with you and Jesus in this season of their life. So right now, I want to give you the option, parental advisory, of you stopping the show and listening to it yourself first, parents. And then if you think it's good for your kids to listen to this show, which I think it would be healthy, potentially, then I want to invite you to sit with them, listen to this show, and have a great discussion with them afterwards. So on today's show, we're going to talk about the discernment uh, about when it's appropriate to avoid pregnancy and marriage, especially whenever you're just getting married. We're also going to talk about the morality of self-gratification. Uh, we're going to talk about the potential decline in morality since the biblical times, and also a canon law question about receiving communion twice in, in one day. So those are our topics for today's show. So stay tuned, and uh, let's jump into a glory story. Today's glory story is about me surviving both in, in two weeks. I survived an attack from the enemy, and I survived an attack from a sea creature or ocean creature or water creature. I don't know what kind of creature this is, <laughs> but it was definitely a creature that lives in the water. So here's what happened. 
I was a deacon back in 2013, I believe. Yeah, 2013. And I was just wrapping up my, my assignment, my parish assignment. So I had two weeks off before I went back to seminary. And so I decided to spend that first week in Hermitage. And I spent a week in Hermitage with the Bible. And I was just interceding for people, uh, praying in a way that's called executing Scripture, executing the Word of God. This is where one takes the Word of God and applies certain passages to different things that um, either I'm going through or what someone else is going through. And so I would like, when I was interceding for my friends, if I knew what their struggles were, like one of my friends struggled with anxiety. And so when I was praying for him, I specifically would, would read out loud uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, do not worry about anything. I read out loud Philippians chapter 4, where he says, do not be anxious, right? And I would just proclaim the Word of God out loud over and over again for 30 minutes straight. Um, and, and I proclaimed it out loud because it, it, typically whenever we try to pray without speaking out loud, we get distracted really easily and we might forget what we were doing and we start praying with scripture. Then all of a sudden we, we see a bird and we get caught up in that bird we're like, oh, look, a bird. And then we forget that we're supposed to be praying and we start daydreaming. And so we pray out loud for 30 minutes when you execute scripture and you just, you just continue to speak the word of God over that particular struggle or that particular vice or that particular perceived attack, uh, whatever it might be. And so I was doing that and in this hermitage in the desert. And after I, I finished like my round of just like going hard, interceding for some of my, my friends, uh, I, I, went for, I went for a walk. And when I came back from my walk, the hermitage, after I got done praying with the scriptures, was filled with flies. Flies were all over the place. And I was going back to pray some more. And then obviously I was distracted from prayer now because there's all these flies all up in the hermitage. And the hermitage was simple. It was literally in the desert. It was a bed. It, uh, I had some bottles of water, a bucket uh, to, to bathe in with water because um, there was no electricity, no running water. And so it was super simple, but there's flies everywhere now. And so I spent like an hour swatting those flies, trying to get rid of them all. And I was thinking that that's kind of odd that those flies came because, I mean, I didn't, when I prayed other ways in the hermitage, when I prayed the rosary, whenever I, I just did Lexio Divina, when I prayed in other particular ways, I wasn't being attacked by these flies. And so then the, the, the next day, I decided I'm going to execute scripture outside and so instead of inside. And so I was executing scripture outside, and I, I was interceding for another friend of mine. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as I'm like executing the scriptures, all these flies start swarming around me to do what? To distract me from praying against these particular things that were afflicting my friends. And I started running. <laughs> I'm running in the desert being chased by these flies. And all of a sudden, it, it hit me. This is, a, this is a spiritual attack. I'm being attacked by the enemy right now because one of the names of the enemy is Beelzebub, which means the Lord of the flies. Beelzebub in the Bible, the scriptures, is the Lord of the flies. And so the, that devil of the flies was trying to distract me. And so then when I realized what was happening, I just kept praying even more until the flies ran away from me. And uh, it was a super powerful experience. So that was the first part of my glory story. And so after I had like this week-long experience of being in the desert and just praying and interceding for my family and my friends, and it was very fruitful. I, I reached out to them after, and they thanked me because a lot of them found a potential uh, particular freedom um, that week. Uh, and so... I then decided to do the opposite extreme of being in the desert in New Mexico, and I went to the beach. And so I went to the beach with a childhood friend, one of my best friends from childhood, uh, Sam with the Wham is his name. 
and uh, and also one of my good buddies from seminary formation, Deacon Matthew Johnston, and and we're at the beach and we're hanging out, and it's it's funny. I mean, this was the you know I'm I'm biracial. My dad's black. My mom's white. And so this was like one of the first experiences I had hanging out with one of my black friends from childhood and one of my white friends from seminary. And I never realized the difference between blacks and whites to the extent that I did when I was on this trip. Because here we were hanging out and we were throwing a Frisbee because that's what Deacon Matthew liked to do, right? Apparently white people like to throw the Frisbee. And uh, (laughs) so we're throwing a Frisbee and we decided to throw the Frisbee in the water, in the ocean. And so now I'm in the ocean. And we're throwing this Frisbee, and I'm like neck deep in the ocean catching the Frisbee. It was so much fun. And I was embracing my half-white side right there. I was like, oh, this is so much fun, Matt. And all of a sudden, check this out. I got hit by a shark, so we believe, allegedly. It was allegedly a shark attacked me. This animal, this creature in the water just bum-rushed me and smacked me in the back of my leg, knocked the mess out of me. And so I just lost my mind. I started screaming, shark, shark. I mean, my, my leg was, it was bleeding a little bit. And, and I was screaming and I was like swimming. And this was the moment I learned the difference between white people and black people. My best friend from childhood, Sam with the Wham, who's black, when he heard me scream shark, dude took off. He was outside the water in the parking lot by the time I was swimming. And I'm thinking like, dang, like this dude's about to let me die. And Deacon Matthew Johnston was still in the water, chest deep, looking at me saying, brother, Brother, how can I help you? What's going on? I'm thinking, did you not hear me just yell, they got a shark in this water? And so I swam past him. I'm like, you know what? Better you than me. You might be ready to be a saint, but I'm not. And so I kept swimming. <laughs> I kept swimming. And, uh, and that's when I learned the difference between blacks and whites. So I survived the shark attack. And, uh, and I ended up, uh, I, I emailed like, my rector at the seminary. And I just you know, let him know, hey, I just survived a shark attack because I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it's allegedly a shark attack. It could have been like finding Nemo in that water. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and, and so he sent a message to my diocese, and my vocation director called me, just losing his mind. He's like, Josh, where are you? And at this point, I was like sipping on a margarita at one of those like beach bars. And I'm like, I'm just chilling right now, drinking a margarita. And he's like, well, I thought you got attacked. I thought you got bit by a shark. And I was like, well, I mean, I got hit by a shark, allegedly. But I mean, I'm pretty fine. It was just like a little cut came from it, right? Uh, so I'm a survivor. In the words of Destiny's Child, I'm a survivor. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to work harder. So you can tell the devil, Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, and you can tell those alleged sharks and sea creatures and uh, finding Nemo's out there and Little Mermaids that you can't mess with me because I'm a survivor, and that's my glory story for the week. All right, before we jump into today's topics, let's uh, get some feedback from some previous shows. Laura writes this. Laura says, love, love, love your podcast. Ah, praise God, Laura. I'm so glad to hear that. But please make more videos, too. I, I, I certainly enjoy making videos with Ascension. They're awesome. And I, I have a few more videos outside the ones that you can catch on YouTube through the programs You, uh, Life, Love, and Theology of the Body, Alteration, and an upcoming program that's coming out. Uh, I think it's you can order it right now. It's called Rejoice. It's an Advent program with Father Mark Toops and Sister Miriam James, as well as uh, we did some videos for an upcoming book that I have coming out this this year. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think those are the, the video, videos I have right now recorded. So if you get those programs, then you can definitely see more videos. Um, and I this is back to Laura. She wrote this. Oh, my fifth grade CCD class loves you. 
and I run out of your videos too quickly. Okay, cool. Uh, they say Father Mike talks too fast. Uh, no, Father Mike does not talk too fast. Tell them, tell them they just need to hear quicker. Father Mike is one of the best evangelists we have right now in, in the church, in the world, really. He's such a gift. And let me just tell you this about Father Mike. Father Mike is a straight-up humble dude. He is a good, good guy. Like, there's, you know, sometimes being on the speaking circuit, you meet people, and some people have a gift of evangelization, but you meet them, and you're kind of thinking, like, man, I, you don't have the best personality. Father Mike is an exceptional human being. He's a great guy. And he also wrote the foreword to my book that's coming out later this year. So you got to check that out when it comes out. And anyways, uh, you wrote, I am as white as mayonnaise. Uh, that's pretty white. Is that like the white chick's white? Because mayonnaise is pretty white. And I also know that TCB is taking care of business. Well, guess what? I know that too now, all right? Everybody in the mama done told me that. So keep up your great work. You're truly a blessing to the Christian and Catholic community. Love, Laura. Laura, thank you so much. God bless you. I'm going to pray a daytime prayer for you today. Uh, also, another comment came back from Tara who wrote this. By the way, I heard you on one of the podcasts. Remember that you didn't use the word soda or pop soda. Soda from Minnesota or pop. You were trying to remember what us in the South. I'm from Tennessee. Ooh. Ma, 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 ma. How does that song go from that dude, Tennessee Whiskey? Uh, it goes like this. Let me see. Uh, used to spend my nights out in the bar room. Yeah. Did you see the concert? Not the concert. Did you see the show that Justin Timberlake did with the guy who sings Tennessee Whiskey, whose name I cannot think of for the life of me right now? And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a lot of emails for not knowing his name. But, oh, Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton and Justin Timberlake, they performed at those country awards. And I don't watch the country awards. I just It's not really my, my cup of tea. But I watched that episode, and I watched that performance, and it was fire. That performance was fire. So, anyways, you were trying to remember what us in the South, I'm from Tennessee, call those sweetened carbonated beverages that those in some other areas of the country refer to as pop or soda. Likely because of the strong influence of the Coca-Cola company in the South, this is what we did in Tennessee growing up. Go to somebody's house. They, as polite hosts, ask you what you want to drink, sweet tea or Coke. If the answer was Coke, it generally required a follow-up question. If you had a selection of more than one such fuzzy drinks on hand and Coke was all, always a given, saying next to guests, what kind of Coke do you want? Coke or Sprite or whatever other kind of Coke you had in the fridge, but you always had Coke. That was how we did it. Pepsi did not exist, basically. It was not even sold in most places in the 70s and 80s South, so Coke was a good catch, all phrase. Tara, thank you so much for that class. That, that was, the, I mean, history, awesome. So thank you, Tara. Thank you, Laura, for the feedback, and let's get jumping into today's show. Our first question comes from a, a young couple, uh, Brad and Caitlin. They are writing me a question about NFP on the honeymoon. Thanks so much for your podcast. Really enjoyed it thus far. The questions have been off the beaten path and interesting. Unfortunately for me, I think that I'm going to add to that mix. My fiance, Caitlin, and I are getting married soon. We are planning on using NFP, but currently anticipate that we will be in phase two, the fertile phase of the cycle, throughout our entire honeymoon. We believe it is our best interest to wait at least a year to try to conceive as we're moving across the country to an area with no connections immediately after our wedding. What advice can you give to us to discern what the Lord is calling us to do on our honeymoon? We've been praying for a clear answer from Him, as in Jesus, for a short while now, but as the big day approaches, we're seeking clarity for our own expectations. That is a great, great question. Congratulations on your upcoming sacrament. 
I'm also going to be praying for y'all as y'all get ready to enter the sacrament of matrimony and walk toward eternity together, no longer as two, but as one. So I have a, I have a few things that have come to my heart and my mind through prayer and conversation. Uh, so number one, just off the bat, one of the ends of marriage is children, as you know. Um, but in my conversation, like just with married couples, so many of them have experienced infertility. Um, and or miscarriages and and these are like real crosses for them I mean so fertility is such a gift it's a huge gift so I just really want to underline this point is that unless the reason for avoiding a child in in, in the sacrament of marriage is like super super serious um, and, and your example of moving across the country that might be super serious for you like so like for each one of us it's it's different right and so I just really want to encourage you, though, um, to be open to God potentially creating a human life, um, even if it's on your honeymoon, right? Even if it's on your honeymoon. like So you guys plan to get married, your honeymoon is your fertile phase. Uh, potentially, for your discernment, that might be the Lord's way of saying, like, if the two of you plan on becoming one flesh during that phase, during those few days in your honeymoon, uh, then that might be the Lord's way of saying, I want to be a part of creating a new life. Uh, so if you do discern, though, that, that God is inviting you to wait, to the next week, right, whenever you, the, the next phase would come, then I can share with you what other couples have done in this predicament um, who have postponed their honeymoon to the following week. Other couples just simply say, all right, we're going to get married, and then we're going to go on a honeymoon the week after when we're, on our fertile, uh, when we're not on the fertile phase. That way they're not um, super, super concerned that they might conceive, though if they did conceive, it would be a gift because, remember, life is always, always, always such a gift, and so we can't ever take it to... Not that you are, but we can't in general just take it lightly. Um, so, or you can learn how to play board games if you're going to go on your honeymoon that week and you're like, look, we don't want to conceive a kid right now, so we're just going to avoid having sex while we're in this phase. Then, I mean, chess is a great game to learn how to play. Uh, you definitely won't be, uh, be super attracted to each other while playing that game. You can uh, race each other. You can go to the gym and work out with each other for a week. <laughs> no, I'm just joking, but I'm definitely serious. You could do so many other cool things together. Uh, and you can also just show each other how much you love each other in other ways by holding hands, by praying together, by sharing your meals together and everything like that. But again, uh, fertility is such a gift. It's such a huge gift, which I, I'm sure that you guys are super aware of just by the fact that you're so open to using NFP and everything like that. Like That just shows that you're super... Um, you're probably super responsible with your love for each other. But I, I do just want to encourage that like part of God's plan might be if you're getting married and your honeymoon is the fertile phase, it, it might be for you guys to be super open to um, potentially conceiving life. And, and if you do, it's because God was a part of it. Like there, it, We don't create life apart from God. It's it's three, three of us. It's, 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 it's me, you, and God. Not, well, not me, you, because clearly I'm a priest. I ain't trying to do that. But it's you, your spouse, and God. <laughs> so... Uh, hopefully that that helps with your discernment. Trust that uh, I'm praying for you as you continue to discern as your wedding day approaches really, really soon. And uh, our, our community here at Ascension is also praying for your discernment. And don't forget, if you're, if you're going to try to avoid it, then get those board games, right? Chess, get some chess and get some uh, Monopoly and, and all that jazz. Tic-tac-toe is always fun, too. <laughs> Our second question, and this is where the parental advisory potentially could come in, is about masturbation. 
Uh, this question comes in from one of our listeners who writes, if your husband is unable because of health reasons to fulfill sexual intimacy, is masturbation a sin for the wife? Okay, so let's just jump right into the sin part, and then we're going to jump into the other options that the husband and the wife might have. So masturbation would be uh, a, a sin. Yeah, yeah. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches that our, our sexual organs, they're, they're not like playthings to be used for self-gratification. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, you can read that in the section 2352, paragraph 2352. Uh, our, our sexual organs... Um, are intended to be for relations within the context of marriage in which the two become one flesh, to express mutual self-donating love. The way Christ donated his love for us on the cross, that's what our sexuality is for, is to donate ourselves completely to the other in the marital union in which we're open to procreation of children. Whether or not that happens is not the point, but we're still open to it. But beyond that, the two become one and they donate themselves. Um, kids cannot come from self-gratification. Children do not come from masturbation. Um, and neither does a mutual donation of love between spouses because masturbation is often uh, even called self-abuse because the person who masturbates abuses his or her body and our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit according to the sacred scriptures, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So in masturbation, pleasure alone uh, is the end goal, not the joy that is found in truly donating ourselves to another person and becoming one flesh. So it's the end isn't isn't proper. Uh, psychologically, masturbation is also dangerous uh, because it can have the potential to draw someone to become just very selfish and very pleasure oriented. And therefore, if I don't get pleasure from from you from this conversation, then I'm not going to spend time with you. If I don't get pleasure from certain things, then I'm just going to like avoid them. So uh, that's the first part. Yes, masturbation definitely would be um, because the purpose of the sexuality is for the two to become one flesh. A great resource, even though it's written for teenagers, and it sounds like you're not a teenager because you're you're married. Uh, but uh, this resource is by Matthew Pinto, and it's called Did Adam and Eve Have Belly Buttons? And 199 Other Questions from Catholic Teenagers. Okay, just don't worry about the teenager part. The book is really, really good, and it, it answers a lot of questions. So I would highly encourage you to get that. But on to other options. Oh, what are your other options if your husband, in this season of, of his walk with you, um, because of health reasons, is unable to fulfill sexual intimacy? Um, well, medical interventions are listed when they seek to restore the person to natural health. So that's where you have certain certain pills that guys take. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many elderly men I know, like, take. I mean, I, I don't know that many, but I've had conversations with quite a few elderly men who, who just, who just talk about like they use whether it's Viagra or different other kind of pills to help them to achieve an erection, which helps them to then um, become one flesh with, with their wife. Uh, so uh, one, one time it was kind of funny, this guy walked up to me, he was like, yeah, father, you, you know, you know what it's like to have ED. And I was like, what's ED? And he said, you know, erectile dysfunction. And I was like, this, this conversation is getting awkward. All right. <laughs> so, but yeah, so definitely be open to medical intervention through, through medicine that can help him achieve erections, which can help him become one with you if that's the issue. Also, I would encourage you in this season of your marriage to develop a marital spirituality, which includes loving each other well in other ways outside of the sexual union. We acknowledge that like, forgoing the sexual act 
is super challenging. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's going to be easy to go without having sex in this season of your life because sex is a gift. Sex is a great and good gift from God. And this would involve some suffering. And, and certain couples have to experience the suffering for periods at a time, and other couples have to experience the suffering permanently because of certain privations that might happen throughout life. But your marital covenant can still be renewed in more ways than, than just the gift of sex, um, right? So there are other ways that your marital covenant can, can be renewed. I mean, just think, for example, like, say if your, your husband uh, was in a terrible car accident and was paralyzed and wasn't able to fulfill the sexual, um, the sexual gift in marriage anymore, then the wife who would wake up throughout the night to, like, bathe him and care for him uh, that that's a way to renew the sexual, I mean, that's a way to renew the marital covenant is through these acts of love toward each other, these acts of intimacy toward each other. Um, if, if a husband decided, I'm going to get up out of bed at 2.30 in the morning when the baby's crying so that my wife can finally get some rest because she's been with the baby all day, that's a way for him to renew his marital covenant with his wife to show her how much he loves her. Think about couples that just go for walks and they hold hands with each other. Um, that's renewing the marital covenant, sharing your hearts with each other, communicating transparently with each other. There are all these other ways that we can share the gift with each other. Um, also, also one more thing. Uh, I just want to invite you at the same time as you find these other ways to, to express the marital covenant in, in, with your husband to at the same time, pray for an outpouring of the Holy spirit and specifically for the Holy spirit to maybe help you grow in the virtue of temperance. Temperance is that virtue where we deny ourselves sensible pleasures uh, through habitual moderation. And, and the reason why is because if you're tempted to master to masturbation, if you're tempted to self-gratification right now, which is it's a possibility, I, I know this is a struggle for young men, young women, and old men and old women as well. Uh, it's, it's a big-time struggle in, in our culture right now. So you're not alone, first of all, if this is a struggle for you because of the, the, the pleasure you, you receive from it then I would really encourage you to pray for that grace of temperance and then to practically try to cultivate temperance by denying yourself pleasure in like just small ways, of whether it's through taking cold showers, through uh, eating meals that aren't the most pleasurable meals to eat, not applying salt and pepper to your meals, putting nasty dressing. Like, like think about salad and what's the dressing you least want to eat. That's the dressing that I would encourage you to eat like three days a week or something like that. Um, not listening to certain music that could be tempting for you to begin to think about self-gratification or masturbation, um, things like that, right? Um, like there's that song, what's that song by the pop singer? Can't keep my hands to myself. Well, if you can't keep your hands to yourself, then then grab a rosary. <laughs> keep your hands on Jesus. So, um, yeah, but seriously, yeah, so definitely um, I would encourage you to try to cultivate the virtue of temperance through God's grace. And, and if you're not praying the rosary, Definitely pray the rosary. The rosary is one of the greatest gifts that we have in the church. It's that gift of prayer where we get to go deeper in meditating on the life of Jesus. And the more we think about Jesus, the more we're able to act like Jesus. And Jesus, you know, he was crucified. And so one of the fruits of praying the rosary is we'll begin to live a life of sacrifice and crucifixion. And especially even um, when we struggle with sins of like self-gratification, it can be helpful to even imitate Christ and to lay down with your hands extended as if you're being crucified right now. Because if your hands are being crucified on the cross with Christ, guess where they're not at? They're not, they're not down there. So that could also potentially help you out. Um, and and if, you, if it's still a struggle, then be patient with yourself. Because remember, every single saint in the history of the church um, 
I mean, except for the Virgin Mary, had vices. They all had vices, and uh, and well, not. I mean, well, we got some saints. No, because some saints died as a baby, and they didn't really have vices. Most saints, most saints had vices that they struggled with, and guess what? They're still saints, and so you're called to be a saint too, even if it's it's a struggle for you. Uh, so hopefully that advice was helpful. What do y'all think? Do you have any additional advice for this uh, person who wrote the question for this wife? Write me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. That's youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh.ascensionpress.com. If you are feeling fancy, you can always record a voice note and send that to me as well. We can play it on the show. And also, please do not forget to rate and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the show. All right, our next question comes in from Missy, as in, is that Missy Elliott? When you say Missy, uh, Missy Elliott, she was a rapper in the 90s, a producer, and uh, yeah, super duper fly. So Missy writes this about the Bible. When reading the Bible, we read about truly horrible things that people did to each other back then. Back in the day, they did some bad things to each other. Okay, so when comparing to the world today, I wonder very often, is the world any better than it was over 2,000 years ago? Do you think, in God's eyes, we have made any progress? It troubles me a lot sometimes. I have to put it out of my mind and try to focus on my immediate surroundings because I don't have the answer. Missy. All right, Missy, that's a great question. And I'll be honest with you, in the eyes of God, I just, I don't know. I mean, people were broken back then. People are broken today. Concupiscence was real back then. Remember, concupiscence is that, that desire that we have to do that which is wrong. St. Paul writes about that. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't want to do what I do. Um, and so like this, they, they had concupiscence because of the fall of Adam and Eve back then. We still have it today. Uh, we certainly have the sacraments to aid us today, which is a great gift in our walk toward eternity. But I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes the best answer we can say is, I don't know. I don't know in God's eyes if we're any better uh, today than, than back back then. I mean, thinking about the Christians and, and other people who are suffering all over the world, um, even outside of America. America, we have our own problems, certainly, but like all over the world, people go without food and without water, and they're being tortured and mutilated. And and so there's just so much, so much evil. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. So that's the best answer I can give you right now is, I, yeah, I, honestly, I don't know. But I'll continue to pray with it. And if I perceive something in prayer from God, I'll be sure to share that with you in the future. But, yeah, I just don't know. Uh, finally, the last question comes from Jim. Jim writes this, the Eucharist twice in one day. Can we receive the Eucharist twice in one day? All right, so for this question, let's just go to canon law. So there's always gifts that the church, we have so many gifts. We have the Bible, we have the Catechism, we have the, the Second Vatican Council documents, we have the Council of Trent documents. There's all these different documents we have. We also have these really cool documents called the Code of Canon Law. 
whenever I took canon law class in seminary, I, I definitely was like, man, I try, I, I try to get a B, to be honest with you, because <laughs> I, I said to myself, I don't want to get sent off for canon law school, but I ended up getting an A in the class, and I was thinking, no, no, not an A. I mean, have you ever not wanted an A? Isn't that crazy? Like, I did not want an A. I was like, teacher, professor, father, did you really give me an A? You sure? I think I deserved a B, and I got an A. Boo. Anyways, praise God, I didn't get sent off for canon law. So canon law says that a person may receive Holy Communion a second time provided that he does so during the celebration of the Eucharist in which he participates as Canon 917. So Canon 917. Yeah, so yes, yes, you can receive Holy Communion twice. Yes, you can at Mass. So hopefully that was helpful to you, straightforward. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. Regardless of what your circumstances are, here are some things I think everyone can take away from today's questions. All right, so here's some universal points. The first universal point is this, is discernment, discernment, discernment. Uh, discerning God's will is not always going to be really easy, especially um, when it comes to the couple who's discerning what God wants for them on their honeymoon. But remember, it wasn't even easy for the for the Christians. There's that movie, Paul the Apostle, that came out this year, and it, just, it showed that the, the apostles really struggled to discern like what God was calling them to do. And so discernment's not always easy, but as, as long as we are leaning into Christ and we're open to um, his grace and we're trying to be obedient to him, I, I think that we're going to you know, make the, the decision that is pleasing his eyes. Um, so, and, and there's not always, especially with discernment too, there, there, there's, there's multiple options that we can choose, and God will still be pleased with many of them. So there's not always just a right and a wrong. It's like, okay, if I do this, God can bless this, and if I do that, God can bless that, provided it's not going against his His um, his will as he's manifested it to us in the in the sacred scriptures and the tradition of the church. When it comes to uh, self gratification, just remember, 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 uh, we are created to make a gift of ourselves for the other. We're not called to to just be a gift of ourselves for ourselves. <laughs> we don't want to become people who are consumed with with pleasure, who allow pleasure to be our motivation throughout our life. We're called to just. Uh, allow the desire to be a saint be the motivation throughout our life when it comes to things that happen in the bible as opposed to things that are happening now sometimes we just aren't going to know right and sometimes that's okay to just say i don't know we don't always have an answer and when it comes to certain questions about rules of the church a great resource is always going to be the code of canon law so it's uh it's kind of a boring book but it's kind of cool to have have around at the same time. So go pick up a canon law book if you want. And uh, and maybe God might be calling you to serve the church in that capacity one day. All right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. We, we glorify you. We adore you, Lord. We just want to walk toward you. We just want to be drawn toward you. Um, as the prophet Hosea, Hosea wrote um, that... It was you who just drew us with your bands of love, Lord. Like, we just want to be drawn. We want to be totally drawn by you. Just to let go of being in control, let go of the steering wheel. We want to be drawn by you in doing your will, whatever your will is for us. We sometimes struggle with discernment, Lord, and we're we're just trying to be the best saints that we could potentially be. And so where we struggle at, Lord, we just ask for an outpouring of your gift of wisdom and clarity 
your discernment, your gift of discernment, Lord. Um, and we just trust that you're going to provide for us whatever we need. Whatever we need, Lord, if it's best for us, you are going to provide for it. Uh, because we, on our own, we can't. We can't, Lord. And we admit that we just can't discern on our own. We can't know what's best for us on our own. But you can. You can give us the grace that we need, and you will give us the grace that we need to be saints, to always do that which is best. Even when it's difficult, Lord, even whenever it's a struggle, even when it's not easy, even whenever we have resistance to doing your will because it's going to cause us some kind of potential temporary pain and suffering, Lord, we just ask that you give us the grace to imitate Jesus Christ crucified because we don't want to just imitate Jesus whenever life is going really easy. We don't want, Lord, to just imitate Jesus when he's walking on water or Jesus whenever he's healing people, Lord. We want to imitate Jesus Christ at all times in every season of our life because we trust that we were created for Jesus and that Jesus Christ is enough. And if, it, if that means, Lord, Jesus Christ on the cross, then, Lord, we're open, Father. We're open to Jesus Christ crucified being, being the season that we're called to imitate right now. Whatever it is, Lord, we're open to it because we trust that, that you are a good, good Father. And you're only going to give us those graces. You're only going to give us those graces that, that we need, that we need, not just the ones that we want, but you're going to give us the ones that we need to be saints and to help other people become saints. And so, Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. And Mary, our mother, we know that you're interceding for us. St. Joseph, we know that you're interceding for us. And so all you holy angels and all you awesome saints in heaven, just keep praying for us that we will always make the right, the right step, the right step in our walk, in our walk toward heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. I shall go in peace.